Last week, Dave gave this sermon a little bit of a plug, and Dave said, what I really wish is that Brian was going to preach about the worst thing that he had ever done, as opposed to the worst thing that mankind had ever done, and maybe those two things are the same. Uh, So, I'll bite, I'll tell, here it goes. Um, To be honest, this may not be the worst thing I've ever done, It's, it's probably not. However, it's much funnier than the other things I could think of, so here we go. When I was a sophomore in college, I interned at a church in Wichita, Kansas, and it was a fantastic internship, loved it, learned a whole lot, just there for about two and a half months. Uh, but about halfway through, something awkward happened. I realized that as, you know, like a 19-year-old kid, there was a female youth sponsor, a good 15 years older than me, who kind of liked me. Now, look at me, I don't have a lot of experience in all of this. And so I was trying to figure out how to navigate this without sending any wrong, you know, cues or anything like that. And uh, I was making it through the summer, even though I was around her quite a bit, uh, you know, trying to be cautious with all, with all of this. But it gets down to the last day that I'm in Wichita. And they throw a little ice cream social party for me before I leave. And, and she brought me this really too expensive gift. It was a big picture of, like, all of the people that I had seen that summer. And it was very nice. And I said, thank you. And then, just the two of us in this crowded room, she said those three words. I love you. So now, what am I supposed to do? Because if I repeat back, I love you, then I have just said, and I want to marry you. Okay, that's what I was thinking in my head. (laughs) But if I say, I don't love you then that's not even biblical. And so that would be really mean. And so I was in this moment of 19-year-old panic, and that's when I said one of the stupidest things. It was true, but it was one of the stupidest things I've ever said. I did not say three words. I said four words, and they were this. She says, I love you. And so I respond with, God loves you too. (laughs) It's terrible. It's terrible. And... uh, So enough about me. Um, I was thinking, what's the worst thing mankind has ever done? And and I think I have the answer. It's this. Mankind invented country music. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You can tell I'm an Oklahoma transplant because there's no way a real Okie would ever say that. Um, And I just wanted to get you riled up today. With that said, I did a little research on the worst song ever written, and I found it. It's from the Bellamy Brothers in the 1970s. They wrote a song called The Country Rap, and it's as bad as it sounds. It's two honky-tonk guys trying to rap, but they don't even try to say anything meaningful. They just try to rhyme stuff, and it's awful. And I was going to play just a little segment for you, but it would have ruined the rest of the sermon and the rest of your life, and so I decided not to. But let me just, let me just tell you how the song ends, okay? This, and this is like one of the better lines, okay? This is how it ends. It says, um, we got fat back, that's a fact. And if you don't know, that's a country rap. Neighbor down the road's got a cow for sale, $20 more gets the horns and tail. Saturday night, we're going to get drunk, something in the road smells like a skunk. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But as I was really thinking Uh, months ago, um, always in the spring, we put out some feelers for these tough questions that we try to tackle uh, during this series. And one of the the questions was, what's the worst thing mankind has ever done? That's a great question. 
And I was thinking about, well, you know, mankind has started wars. We've got the Holocaust. We've got slavery. We've got murder. We've got all of these massively horrible things. But none of those is actually quite the answer. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. Because uh, we're going to pick up a story that we were uh, talking about just a couple weeks ago. Elijah has faced off with the evil king Ahab in this, this showdown of whose God is real. And he, Elijah wins. He feels great. He thinks everybody's going to change and believe him now. But that doesn't happen. In fact, Ahab's evil wife, Jezebel, tries to kill him. And so he runs away and he's depressed. He crawls under a tree and he says, God, I just want to die. So that's Elijah's life. And God says, I'm not through with you yet. He sends an angel to bake him bread, basically to make him breakfast and say, eat some and you'll feel a little better. But you still have a journey to make. And so he, he's cared for by God, but he's still depressed. He's still on the move. And that gets us to 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want to begin in verse 9. There he went into a cave, Elijah, and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? You think God's ever asked that to you? What are you doing here, Brian? Is this a good idea? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, but the Israelites have rejected your covenant and torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram. So Elijah is here, and he knows that God's presence is going to come right by him. And first there's a wind, but is that God? Could have been, but it was not. And then there's this earthquake, and you think, yeah, God shows up in earthquakes sometimes. Read the book of Revelation. Nope, no God. And then a fire. God spoke to Moses in a fire. But no, God's not in the fire. And finally, where is God? Where is his voice? It says, a gentle whisper. Do you know why teachers do this sometimes? Teachers whisper so that the students have to lean in. They have to drown out everything else and really pay attention. And God comes to Elijah in this soft little whisper. When Elijah heard the whisper, says he pulled his cloak over his face, but he continues to whine. And God comes back and finally says, hey, Elijah, you still have work to do. Your, your life isn't done yet. Your, your jobs aren't done yet. 
And he goes on to tell them later, and you're not alone, by the way. There's 7,000 others just like you who are still following me. You know, you could make a case for lots of things being the worst thing in the history of mankind, and, you know, I, I would go along with a number of those. But I, I want to make a case this morning that the worst thing mankind has ever done is this. We have not listened to God. If you just begin to look through the Bible and you see that theme over and over again, uh, there's a scholar by the name of Klein Snodgrass, and he did this study, and he finds that there's over 1,500 places in the Bible where there's this idea of listen, hear, don't ignore God, don't turn your back on God, but listen, and here we see it again and again. The greatest commandment in the Bible is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But do you know what comes right before that? God says, hear, O Israel. Listen up, everybody. There's something I want to say, and I want you to listen to me. There's a word in your Old Testament uh, that the original word is this. It's Shema. Say that with me. Shema. 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 And Shema is this idea that we often translate it to listen, but it's bigger than just the word listen. There's actually three elements to Shema, and that word shows up all through your Bible. Uh, the, the three big ideas with Shema are that you hear it so, or you read it, but somehow you get the information. You pay attention to the information, but that's not all. You also believe it. So you hear it, then you believe it, but that's not all. You also obey it. So listening in the Bible is this. It's hear, believe, obey. All three have to be together. If you want to remember that a catchy little way, HBO. Don't, don't do everything HBO says, but HBO. Hear, believe, obey. That's the, that's the biblical idea of listen, and we see it all through Scripture. So if you were about to walk off a cliff... Think about it this way. You're, you're getting close to a cliff, and if you fall off the cliff, you're going to die, but you're getting close there, and a friend of yours yells, hey, look out, there's a cliff. But you have your headphones on, and you're jamming to your tunes. You just keep right on walking because you don't even hear your friend yelling at you. You would fall off the cliff, and you would die. Or you could be walking towards the cliff, and your friend yells at you, hey, look out, there's a cliff there. And you could hear your friend, but you could think, ah, they're just teasing me. I don't really believe what they're saying. I don't think they know what they're talking about. And you keep on walking, and if you did, you would walk off the cliff and you would die. Or you could be here walking towards the cliff, and your friend says, hey, look out, there's a cliff. And you could hear your friend, catches your attention, and you look over, and your friend's saying, don't, don't, don't walk any farther. There's a cliff there. And you could see your friend's face, and you're like, oh, like they're serious. Like I believe, my friend, that there really is a cliff there. But you know what? It feels so nice to stretch my legs right now. And you could walk off the cliff, and you would die. See, without hearing, believing, and obeying, it's the same result all the same. They, they all die. They, every, there's always destruction if you don't do all three, if you don't really shema, if you don't really listen, hear, believe, and obey. So when Moses was 
talking to the Israelites one time. Uh, he said, I want you to shema the Lord. I want you to hear and listen and obey. And they recite back to him. They say, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will shema. We will obey because they're listening, hearing, believing, obeying. And we can even understand this in our own language. I remember being right next door in this gym at a basketball practice for my daughter and her team, and the practice was over. And it was time for everybody to go home. I was putting the basketballs away, turning the lights out, you know, all those cues of like, hey, everybody leave now. And there was a couple girls still shooting baskets, still playing, and one of the moms hollered out, hey, it's time to go. And I saw her daughter kind of look up at her, and then she kept playing, kept running around, giggling with her friend. And I was talking to the mom a little bit, and the mom, a few minutes later, hey, sweetheart, we, we need to go, like, right now. Come on, it's time to go. And her daughter kind of just looked up for a second, kept playing, giggling, and her mom said, my daughter has a listening problem. Now, her daughter probably heard and probably even believed that it was late. It was a school night. She needed to get to bed. The problem was she didn't want to obey. So she may as well have not even heard or believed because she was not willing to shema, to listen. All of those things, hear, believe, obey. Jesus often concluded his teachings with this phrase. You, if, if you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've seen this phrase in here. Jesus would teach, teach a sermon, teach a lesson, and then he would end it with something like this. He who has ears, let him hear. In other words, here's the story, here's the lesson, here's the truth, and I want you to obey it. Obey it now. You see, we live in a world full of brokenness. There's this brokenness all around us and everywhere around us. And this, this brokenness, if you could draw it, kind of looks like a circle. And, and, and in the midst of, of all of this brokenness, God says, I don't want you to always be in brokenness. That wasn't my idea for you. But you see the sin and you see the death and all of the destruction around us, the poor choices we make. But God originally designed us with this perfect design Adam and Eve were in this perfect place, but one thing takes us from God's design over to brokenness, and that's sin. And if Adam and Eve would not have sinned, I would have been the guy who messed it up. And so sin always leads us to a life of brokenness, but God does not want us to stay in brokenness. God wants us to be restored to him, and so God sent his son, Jesus, who came from heaven to earth to live a perfect lie and then to die on a cross so that our sins could be forgiven. He paid the sacrifice for us, but he did not stay dead because on the third day, he rose from the dead. And because of that, we can go from brokenness to being restored. Lots of times we try to escape brokenness through you know, education or good living or drugs or alcohol, but it always snaps us back into brokenness. And the only way that we can find Jesus and be restored is when we return and we believe and we are baptized and say, yes, I am going to listen to Jesus and follow him with my life. And then that restores us into this perfect relationship with God. But we don't just stay in one place. God says, go, go back to the broken so that they can know that their lives too can be saved from their brokenness. And the question is, where are you? And that's the question that we ask our friends and our family members, where are you? We get in trouble when we trust listening to ourselves. 
You know, we're masters at trying to change our reality to match what we think. If you don't believe me, go to any football game and you'll see a, a call made. And if it's like college or, or the NFL, especially that has replay now, um, you'll see a call made and you'll see two sides, Alabama and Auburn. If it's one, Alabama all thinks that this should be the right call and Auburn all thinks that this call should be the right call. And you can even watch it in like super, 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 super slow-mo. Everybody watches the same video and the two sides have completely different ideas about what they think is reality, about what really happens. Why? Because our hearts want to believe what we want. You don't believe me? Go, go have a couple different people read the same newspaper story about a politician. And some of them will say, see, that's why I love him. And others will say, see, that's why I hate him. Right? Because we come from different angles. And sometimes we try to say, here's my version of reality. I'm going to listen to me. But the Bible warns us about listening to ourselves. Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, at least from ourselves. Proverbs 14 says, there is a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. Proverbs 3 says, the answer is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. There are so many other Proverbs that just say, listen, listen, listen. Wise people, listen. Wise people, listen. Foolish people talk too much. Foolish people get in trouble with their words. Foolish people don't have a filter. They do not listen. That's why James 1.19 says this great verse, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because if you're quick to speak, you can't listen, right? There's no way that you can listen when you're also speaking. And also, you can't listen when you're all angry about something. When you're all fired up, you're not listening to anybody. And so the Bible says, listen. At a staff discussion uh, with teachers this last year, uh, we spent uh, a meeting time just talking about how our goal for when we teach the Word of God here, when anybody teaches in a, in a small group or a Bible study or whether it be a sermon or whatever, we don't want to teach the Bible. We want to teach people the Bible. Do you see there's a difference? The difference is that we want people to listen to the Bible. I don't want to just stand up and say words and feel good about myself if they don't actually go and help someone hear from God. So we want to teach people the Bible. That's our goal. And that means that as a person, your goal is to listen to the Bible, to really listen to teaching. If you're in a small group, if you're in a Bible study, we want you to do more listening than talking because that's how you learn and that's how we all grow is listening to one another. And one of the ways that you can listen quickly, that you can be quick to listen, is that you can be quick to read the Bible. When you are quick to read the Bible, you are quick to listen because every time we read the Bible, we're listening to what God wants to say to us. And what anybody else says, we have to weigh against what does God say about this. So God has this way of correcting Elijah, and he comes in this small voice, and God says, Elijah, Maybe you just need to be quiet for a little bit. And in our culture, it is becoming increasingly difficult to be quiet enough to hear God. And for students and young people, when your parents say, why don't you put that phone down for a little while? Let it be quiet a little bit. You don't have to have a DVD playing in every single car ride. Because sometimes your parents know it's good to be quiet to learn to let yourself think. If you can allow yourself to listen and to think and to process, 
Oh, it would be a great advantage in all the rest of your life. Because it is hard to listen when there's constant noise. And parents, some of you need to turn the radio off sometimes. And you just need to listen. You need to spend time thinking about, what did I read in the Bible this morning? How is God speaking to me? What opportunities do I have? And so we need to be quiet. And, and Elijah um, is told by God, hey, you still have a job. As soon as you start whining and complaining about your whole life, you've probably forgotten that God still has a mission for you. And so God reminds Elijah, hey, you still have a mission. You still have stuff that I want you to do. Get your mind off of yourself and your little troubles and think about the world that I've called you to impact. And then God also reminds Elijah, hey, you're not alone. There's 7,000 other people just like you who are, who are walking with the Lord. You're not alone, so quit thinking that way. So we want God to speak to us. And I believe that every time we ask God to speak to us, he will. Through the scriptures, through a small nudge in your heart. Some, to some of you today, God might be saying, be still. Just be quiet in your life. Let me speak to you. I'm trying to say something, but you're so busy and you're so preoccupied and you're so angry that you can't hear anything I'm saying. So just be still. To others, God might be saying, get going. You've been pouting for long enough. And I was nice, and I listened to you, and I sent people to help you, but now you need to get back on task. I have things for you to do. To others, God might be saying, hey, quit acting like you're alone. Look around you. People care for you. If you need to ask for help, ask for help. But there's other people like you who might be struggling just like you. God might be saying, hey, I've got this. I understand the struggle you're in, and I've got it. I'm with you. I care for you. You know, we hear lots of voices. And whether you're young or old, you hear people tell you things about yourself. They tell you what you can and can't do. They tell you what you might be good at doing or what you might be terrible at doing. And people sometimes are maybe even too honest about telling us all the things about ourselves. But you know what I think is sometimes even more dangerous than that? Sometimes we don't just listen to them. We decide that we can just listen to ourselves. And as you listen to people, you start to believe them. And so what they say, you start to say. And you might start to believe, and you might start to tell yourself, I'm, I've done too many bad things to be forgiven by God. You might start to say to yourself, I just don't have any great skills or talents or any way that I could really serve the Lord in a meaningful way. You might start to say to yourself, there's no way I could ever tell my friend about Jesus. It just is too overwhelming to me. You might start to say, I don't know that God even hears me. It's just me all by myself and nobody cares about me. There's lots of things that you might be hearing from yourself. And I want to tell you something. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you better than you know yourself. So listen to him instead of listening to yourself. Listen to God first. I hope that God speaks to you and you're reading scripture and praying so often that Your thoughts become his thoughts as he molds you. But there may be times where you think, here's what I think, and here's what the Bible says, but I think this about me. Don't believe it. Take God's word. Take what God says about you. You know what God says about you? God says, I know that you've been broken. 
I know that you've sinned. But I love you so much that I sent my son Jesus to die for you on a cross. That's your value and that's your worth. And I care for you. I know your name. I know your every thought. I know what you're going to do today and tomorrow. I know what you did yesterday. I, I know your troubles. I know your struggles. I know the things that you think you can't do or the things that you feel guilty about. I know all of that. And I love you and I care for you like a perfect father loves his child. That's the truth. And I want you to hear the truth from me this morning. More importantly, I want you to hear the truth from God. You may think, here's my identity. Here's who I am. Mm -mm. You need to be asking, who does God say I am? The Bible ends much as it begins. It begins in this perfect garden, and God says to Adam and Eve, hey, here's what I want you to do. Here's this one thing I don't want you to do. And Adam and Eve did not shema. They did not listen. Oh, I think they heard. I'm not sure if they really believed, but they definitely did not obey. And so sin and brokenness entered our world. And every sin we ever see in the Bible is a result of people who did not listen to God. They ignored him on some level. But the Bible ends with these beautiful words. I mean, we've got page after page of our story, the human story, of not listening to God and paying the price for it, and God saying, but I still love you, and here's an opportunity. I want you to listen to me, and giving us opportunity to listen to him. And the Bible ends after all of, of all, so many human beings have not listened. And yet still at the end of the Bible, what do we see? We read in the last few paragraphs of Revelation, it says, the Spirit and Jesus say, come. Let him who hears Come. And take the free drink of the water of life. In other words, God is saying, even though I know all that you've done, even though I know you've ignored me way too many times, I'm still giving you this offer. If you listen to me, you can come to me. And I will forgive you of your sins and care for you and walk with you. And one day you will spend eternity with me. And that is why we want to listen to God. Because it's the greatest words that have ever been spoken, that God loves you and he cares for you and he has a plan for you and God loves us and he cares for us and he has a plan for us. If you would, would you stand up with me and I'm gonna pray and this morning if you would like prayer, um, then you can just come to kind of the front corner over here or the front corner over here and we'll have some folks who would be glad to pray with you. Uh, if you would like to study with us or, or pray with us later about what it means to follow Jesus, then we would welcome you to do that. You can just mark that on your card. You can find us right after, um, and we'd be glad to meet with you this week, pray with you, talk with you, just read God's word with you. We would be honored to be able to do that with you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing this song together and just pray that you'll be listening to what God wants to say to you. God, there have been a number of people who have said things to me in my life, and when it all boils down, the, the one thing that really matters is what you have said to me, what you have said to us, what you have said to all mankind, that you created us, you know that we blew it and we were broken, and you sent your son to die for us, and we can have life with you. And so I pray for anyone who has not listened to you that today would be a day when they begin to listen, to hear, to believe, and to obey. In Jesus' name, amen.